Isn't that interesting that it goes so against what the Bible teaches, where the Bible traces everything back to Adam, a male. Humanity traces everything back to a female. But they get this point right. Paul said it in Acts 17, 26. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. He has made from one blood, from Adam, every nation of men that dwell upon the face of the earth. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at a message I entitled Follow Christ from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 1 through 16 and verse 1. We will see uh, the topic imitate me. Verses 2 and 3, Traditions and the Divine Order. And then verses 4 through 16, Customs and Contentions. And I'm going to go ahead and read our passage from verses 1 through 16 and get an overall context of what we're looking at today. Open us in prayer and get into a teaching of God's Word. So our third point, Customs and Contentions. The remainder of our teaching, verses 4 through 16, we find Corinth as the center of Grecian Christianity. The Corinthians' example would either lead people closer to God or further away. Therefore, Paul put their culture under the lens of the Word of God here. In verses 4 through 6, we find When praying or prophesying, he says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as having her head, if her head was shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. This is a Greek word that refers to that of shearing sheep. Let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. So whether praying, and this Greek word is always used in Scripture when praying to God, whether praying, and prayer is such an important topic in the Bible. You know, it's mentioned the word prayer 379 times in its various forms 
and 159 of these coming from the New Testament. The founder of the Calvary Chapel movement, Pastor Chuck Smith, had this to say about prayer. Prayer is the most important activity a born-and-grown Christian can perform. It should head your list of priorities, for certainly the world around us desperately needs prayer, and that is certainly true today. Prayer will open the door for God to do a glorious work in these last days. Prayer will stem the tide of evil. Pastor Chuck, the founder of Calvary Chapel Movement, saying, Prayer is the most important activity a born-again Christian can do, and we know that often prayer is one of the most neglected activities in a Christian's life. Also, prophecy, it speaks about the speaking forth of the Word of God. It could be those who are considered prophets. They either speak forth God's Word or they foretell the Word of God. And I find that when I'm teaching in the Bible that often both things are taking place. I would say that more often than not, I am a forth teller in the sense that I am proclaiming the Word of God. But every once in a while, God allows me, I believe, to pick up the mantle of prophecy and to deal with future events every once in a while and probably more a long time in between at times. That's as the Lord leads. But the office is both, whether praying or prophesying. The prophets were instruments of God through whom he revealed himself to mankind. 2 Peter 1.21 For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God who spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So Paul, a Jewish man who is a believer in Jesus Christ, seems to counter the practice of the Jews today who the men cover their heads when they pray. When we were in Israel, as we went to the Wailing Wall, I was just kind of trying to consider both the men and the women. In Israel, when we went to the Wailing Wall, there was a fence that divided the men from the women. Now, you could see through the fence but we were divided. The women, Lily, went one way. The men, myself and my son John, went another way as we approached the Wailing Wall there in Jerusalem. But before we could enter, my son and myself, we had to get the little cap and put it on our head. We didn't want to dishonor the Jews and their custom there. But see, Paul goes against this very thing. We find, and the women on the other side, as far as I remember, they were not covered. So it's kind of reverse what Paul is talking about. He was a Jewish man, a believer in Jesus Christ. But we find that this custom of covering the head was something that actually came about in the Middle Ages as the Jews continued to practice and the Talmud law does not require a head covering it says that it hints toward it. By the Middle Ages, it became a accepted practice of when sacred words were spoken, whether by prayer or by reading the Torah, that it became this custom to cover their heads for the men. 
In the case of women, married women were required to cover their hair. And this has been ancient accepted law. And not only with the Jews, but also in many of the cultures in the many Middle East, as we know that they continue to do that to this day. And in some communities, even unmarried women have been known to cover their hair. And it's a custom that, as I said, it's widespread even throughout the world today. In the Corinthian culture, a woman with a shorn or unveiled heads were often temple prostitutes. Therefore, it was a custom for married women to wear a veil to distinguish them when they were out in public. And perhaps by understanding their culture, we get a better understanding of why Paul addressed these issues here. And yet Paul took a different approach by measuring their culture, their traditions, by the very word of God. Paul says later on in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. And as I said earlier, with the uh, cultural things, the traditions that we have as believers in Jesus Christ, we always need to measure these by the word of God. So we ask the question to cover or not to cover verses seven through 10. We continue for a man indeed ought to not cover his head since he is the image and the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man, nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. That's a tricky one there. He just had to throw in that because of the angels at the end there. We'll get to that in a moment. Man was created in the likeness of God, according to Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. While woman was created in the likeness of men, according to Genesis 2, verses 22 and 23, and then God took a rib uh, from man and made it into a woman and brought her forth to man. And Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And once again, Paul reminds the Corinthian believers of God's divine order. He says, because of the angels, it is apparent in the Bible, even though angels in reality of all the verses that are found in the Bible, angels really aren't spoken of too often. It seems that they are concerned with God's divine order. As Peter referred to the angels desiring to look into the things pertaining to the gospel in 1 Peter 1.12, to them, referring to the prophets, to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then he says, things which angels desire to look into. Can you imagine that? Because of the angels, angels desiring to look into the things of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that which has been preached to us, the revelations of the Spirit of Christ that 
worked in the saints of old was not only for their benefit, but for ours as well. And the Old Testament prophets not only prophesied, but they preserved the things which we now have in the word of God concerning the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ, concerning the gospel which is now preached through the empowering of the Holy Spirit in the lives of all believers. Isn't it interesting that angels are curious about the grace of God that's been bestowed or imparted upon those who believe in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's why scripture tells us that they show up every once in a while unannounced from time to time. According to the author of Hebrews, he says in Hebrews 13:2, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so some have unwittedly entertained angels. I have to wonder about that every once in a while. And I, I pause there because I have one of those wondering things when I was in my dad's church as a young man, when my dad was still preaching there at the church, I had a strange encounter with a man who walked into the church almost at the end of the service. And I kind of just briefly said that you know, church is almost over and it's kind of late to be walking in now. I happened to be out in the foyer when I saw him come in. I kind of put him off. And then he walked out and I felt bad about it. And I went out and I couldn't find him. I, he, he wasn't there. And there wasn't much time that had passed by. So I always had a question mark on that encounter. I don't know. Had I unwittingly entertained an angel at that time? I'll have to wait. Maybe when I get to heaven and the Lord will say, no, John, that was just a guy who was walking by who stopped in and you put him off when I had sent him there. And I have another thing to talk to you about because I sent him there to hear the word of God and you put him off. I mean, we have to be careful, don't we? Let's move on to 11 and 12. All are from God. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. All are from God. Paul reminded the Corinthian believers of God's divine order, where the Bible stresses that Adam is the head of humanity it's interesting today that science points to a common female as our ancestor. In 1987, a group of geneticists published a, a journal in Nature, the Journal of Nature. They published this research that they've been doing on DNA that had been taken from 147 people across all of today's majority racial groups. And the researchers found that the lineage of all people alive today falls on either one or two branches in humanity's family tree. Even more impressive, the geneticists concluded that every single person on earth right now can trace his or her lineages back to a single common female of around 200,000 years ago. I'm reading from a scientific journal because one branch of all humanity 
is linked to that of Africa and all the other branches have African lineages, then they trace everything back to a single woman there in Africa around 200,000 years ago. Isn't that interesting that it goes so against what the Bible teaches where the Bible traces everything back to Adam, a male, humanity traces everything back to a female. But they get this point right. Paul said it in Acts 17, 26. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. He has made from one blood, from Adam, every nation of men that dwell upon the face of the earth. And we don't know where the Garden of Eden was. Maybe perhaps it was in Africa somewhere. We're just not quite sure. We would envision the Middle East, but that was all pre-flood stage. So how could we know? Paul reminds us, though, that we are not independent of one another. As man needs woman and woman needs man. As in life... In the creation, woman came from man, but in procreation, man comes through woman, yet all are under God. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all, all things. We for him, and the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, through whom we live. And then he adds, verses 13 through 16, I titled this, No Such Customs. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that a man, if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if the woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such customs, nor do the churches of God. There in that last verse, if anyone is contentious, we don't have any such customs, nor do the churches of God. So this one verse, verse 16, gives us the hint that Paul is talking about the culture of his day. But he's asking us in the culture of our day, judge among yourselves. If we were to judge among ourselves, I would answer this question. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? I would answer Yes, it is proper for a woman to pray. Does nature itself teach you that a man, if he has long hair, is a dishonor to himself? I would say, uh, no, I used to have long hair, so I, I don't think I dishonored myself. But he is correct. Even to this day, if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. If a man has short hair, it's customary for a man to have short hair. Sometimes it gets confusing. Several years ago, my wife and I at a restaurant in McHenry with my back to the waitress as she approached us, my wife facing the waitress. I heard the waitress say, what can I do for you ladies today? And then as she walked around the, the table and saw that the one person she thought was a woman had this pretty cool looking at the time brown mustache with a cool looking goatee. She said, oh, I'm sorry, but what was it that fooled her? It was my hair in the ponytail that fooled her. 
So by nature, well, by nature, that's still true. But these are cultural things. If it seems contentious to you, we have no such culture, nor to the churches of God. The Calvary Chapel movement was founded in the hippie movement, where a number of young men came to Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa with long hair. Pastor Chuck, the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement, would talk about men and their hair based off of this verse, talking about a man having long hair, that it is a shame. But he would say of himself at that point, who did not have much hair, he would also say, what a shame, a shame to himself that he didn't have hair anymore. So yes, it depends on how you're looking at this. We are to judge, not to judge according to appearance, John 7, 24, but to judge in righteous judgment, natural law versus what is written in the word of God. And we find that even to this day, women and men, they tend to, it's not always true, but they tend to women having longer hair than men. And we find that verse 16 kind of negates this whole thing when it says, if you contend with this, then we have no such customs, neither do the churches of God. Being part of the Calvary Chapel movement, as I said, back in the day, there was a song that came out of the band Love Song called Little Country Church. And verse 3 said this, They're talking about revival and the need for love. That little church has come alive, working with each other for the common good, putting all the past aside. And then the point I wanted to uh, make in this song, long hair, short hair, some coats and ties. People finally coming around, looking past the hair and straight into the eyes. People finally coming around. It's very plain to see it's not the way it used to be. When it comes to contending about certain customs, may we be guided by the authority of God's word and always speak truth in love. Today we've seen a message, Follow Christ, from 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen, Under imitate me, our first point, verse 1, Jesus, we pray that you would give us wisdom to imitate those who have fixed their eyes upon thee. Under our next point, traditions and divine order, verses 2 through 3, may it be that our traditions, whether in the church or in our family, would always align with the truth of God's word. And finally, customs and contentions, verses 4 through 16, when it comes with uh, contending about certain customs, may we be guided by the authority of God's word, and may we always speak God's truth in love. It is my hope today that you have realized that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that you have received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have this motto that says, Believe, receive, grow, and go. And believe refers to the necessity of believing in God, as it tells us in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Once we believe that there is a God, we have to receive the gift of salvation through his Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.17 tells us, If by one man's offense 
speaking of Adam and the fall, if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. As believers then, we are to grow in our faith. 2 Peter 3.18 tells us, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And then we are to go. As the Great Commission tells us in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then the Lord promising us, Lord, we need this promise today. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us. If you have asked Jesus to be the Savior of your life, would you please email us at cclv at comcast.net. Maybe you have a question regarding your faith. Again, you can email us at cclv at comcast.net. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.